welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Church, we are in our third week of embracing exile out of the book of First Peter. And I don't know about you guys, but this series has been so transformative for me. It's been so encouraging, so exhorting, so exciting. It's it's been so many things. It's just getting me pumped up for what God is doing in our church and, and through us in our city. And uh, and so we're gonna dive into another kingdom shift today. Because remember. Your destination has shifted. Your starting place has even shifted, right? We have been sent from heaven. Our citizenship is there. So our allegiance is to our King Jesus, not to the kingdoms of this world. And, and so as Jesus, as Jesus was sent, he is also sending us in the power of his spirit. And this shift today uh, that we're talking about is from internal to external, from internal to external. Remember, we're, we're, we're talking about these cultural uh, shifts that need to happen just inside the church and also uh, in, in our society. And, <clears throat> and this shift uh, from uh, what we've had happen in this pandemic is actually the opposite shift. We've had a shift from external, from the external world to internal, right? We've, we're in lockdown. Again, and we continue to be, and things are shut down or locked down. I don't care what what uh, terminology they use; it's it's the same thing, same effect. And so we've we've moved from this external world to an internal one, where many of you are working from home. Your your uh, you know for a while your kids weren't in school. Um, uh, your things have just changed. Your school is is not meeting in person. Who knows when it, when it will be? So now you're online or, uh, or not doing that either. I mean, so much has been disrupted and shifted and changed uh, because we moved from external to, to internal in this pandemic. And so also we've had this kind of technological shift where we're in our society. We've become a lot more technological really quickly. And that's an external to internal shift as well because now we're kind of in this uh, cyberspace world, which is which is different than the real world, isn't it? Like Zoom only gets us so far. It's not the same as being with people, right? Uh, but at least we have uh, at least we have that. But again, it's it's a it's an internal shift. <clears throat> but as a church, we need to uh, uh, we need to we need to, and we need to look at the opportunity to shift and to move from an internal faith to an external, because. What can happen here because of this pandemic, because of lockdown, because of the shift back to from external to internal, as a church, we can become internal. As a church, we can become insular. As individuals in your neighborhoods, you can become internal. You can become insular. You can just hibernate in your home, right? And, and we need to see that we were designed to move from internal to external. Again, that doesn't mean we get rid of the internal, right? When we talk about uh, rhythm three groups, and we talk about the three rhythms that we uh, that we have at Trinity Life Church. We talk about up, in, and out, right? So 
<clears throat> we don't get rid of up and in because of out. Up and in fuel out. And they, they all operate simultaneously with one another. So today we're just going to emphasize the out because I don't know about you guys, but for as long as I've been a follower of Jesus, the out rhythm has been the most difficult. It's been the hardest one. It's been the one I've had to grow the most in. <clears throat> you know, when I think about up and worshiping Jesus, I, I've grown in that and I've had to grow in that, but my growth in that hasn't been as exponential as the out one because yeah, the chasm wasn't as broad there. Uh, the in, the community one, same thing. The one that I continually try to work on is, is out. And, and so for many of us in, in the church, for many of us in our church, that's the one that we need the most, the most help with. And so we're, we're emphasizing that. But it's also the one that, uh, depending on your church background, depending on your exposure to the faith, that maybe you haven't been equipped in as much. And so that's what we want to remedy. That's what we want to change. We want to equip you to not just live up, not just live in, but to live out. And I was talking to Adam about this, <clears throat> and, and uh, he, he said this, which was really insightful for our church, is that for our church as a whole, we've had the big out, right? Like the new common space, the space I'm in right now, right? The new common, the, our work with the city that I talked about, uh, that I've been talking to you guys about, uh, where we work on the city and, and, and influence our, our world too. That's kind of the big out where we corporately do that. And a lot of you guys love that about our church. You, you, that's what attracted you to Trinity Life Church. You love the fact that there's this big out piece. Not all of you are involved in it though, right? Because for different reasons. Um, and that's not all your fault. And so that's, that's on us too. That's why we're trying to equip you to, to live out. Because the other thing we've had is, well, there's the individual out. So there's a big out and there's a small out. Right? And that doesn't determine the, the um, quality of the out or the significance of it. That's just there's a big corporate one and then there's the individual one where, where you are in your spheres of influence, you are uh, with your coworkers, you are um, uh, just individually sharing your faith, things like that, and you're trying to live on mission individually. But what we've been missing as a church is the, the middle portion here, this, this kind of group out that isn't the corporate organizational one, it isn't the individual one, but it's kind of the cell church, small group, micro church one that, that we've, we've kind of been missing. This is, Adam was saying, it's like the special forces out, right? It's, it's, uh, it's that unit in the military that, that can move quickly and, and easy because they all trust one another, they, they all rely on each other, and, um, and they go out uh, and, they, and they know their directive and they know what they're supposed to do. And, <clears throat> and where we are as a church in decentralizing a lot of things, in going into our three groups, which that would be your special forces out, that's the gap we're trying to bridge for you here. That's the gap we're trying to, trying to um, or the chasm we're trying to bridge, right? So, and that's because, uh, as the church has to be done with saying to our world, our city, our society, come to us. Come to us. Come to our religious services. Come to our gatherings. Come. No, we have to go out to them. They're not coming to us anymore. We live in a post-slash-pre-Christian world. They don't have any idea what we do inside of a religious service. They don't want any part of it uh, for the basic reason that it's just an awkward social environment, let alone 
<clears throat> they don't agree with us. So, and then anything in, in that spectrum, right? So we have to go out, we have to be out in this world because Jesus has sent us there. And here's the bottom line for today that I want you to remember as we think about this special forces type out, because it's going to involve this. It's going to involve embracing exile, which means getting rid of the rank and file. Embracing exile means getting rid of the rank and file. Now, what do I mean there? Rank and file is this military term that uh, is used for like the ordinary members of the military, like not your officers. Uh, it became like a business term as well. So it's used as the, for the ordinary members of the organization, not the leaders. And when you apply that to the church, <clears throat> you could say, we think like this in the church. Well, uh, those who get paid for this, they're the professional ministers. They're the ones who, who do this thing. Uh, we're just the rank and file. No. Embracing exile means getting rid of the rank and file because living on mission and, and doing it in the way that Peter is talking about, that's possible for everyone. <clears throat> you know, here in this passage, when he talks about these things, he says, you have a living hope, you're born again to that. That's not just the leaders. That's everybody. You have access to that. You have access to a living hope. You have access to the resurrection of Christ. You have access to a salvation that's been guarded for you, to, ready to be, to be revealed. You have access to genuineness in your faith. You have access to glory and honor and praise. You have access to uh, rejoice with joy. You have access to uh, be filled with glory. You have access to <clears throat> a beautiful outcome of your faith and the salvation of your souls. That's what you have in Christ Jesus. So we got to get rid of the rank and file mentality. And we got to say, no, Jesus has empowered all of us to live out in this way. And the beauty of that is you don't have to do it on your own. The beauty of it is you actually cannot do this on your own. So even if you tried, you wouldn't be able to do it on your own. You've entered into an eternal family of God, like we said before. And it's not just about what's tangible, right? Like we talked about last week. There's a shift here. It's about the intangible from the internal also to the external. <clears throat> from just up and in to also up, in, and out. So when we look at this passage here, <clears throat> these three verses, verses 10, 11, and 12, uh, let me just give you a framework for these passages because it's a really beautiful three, three verses here and what Peter is doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says here uh, in verse 10, the prophets who, pro and I'm going to go segments here, guys. He says, and then we'll kind of walk through it. He says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. And, and <clears throat> Peter is, is, talking about this kind of old time that's setting up the present time, okay? He's talking about what came before us, before this audience that he's writing to, and, and now this present time. And for us, it includes this present, this present moment. So when he talks about this, he says, the prophets before, the old ones, the saints who came before us, they prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, okay? And then down in verse 12, he says, the things, the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news. So now there's a present. So you see the parallels here. There's couplets going on here. In verse 11, he says, the spirit of Christ in them, in the prophets of old, it was indicating, and we'll talk about it in a minute. And then if you go down to verse 12, he says, the good news <clears throat> to you 
by the Holy Spirit is sent from heaven, right? So then there's a to you. There was, there, there's both of these here. And then also you see in verses 10 and 11, the prophets searched and inquired carefully what person or time well, it was for the Messiah. And then you see in verse 12, the angels longed to look into those things. So you have here this, this setup for us, this, this convergence of uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament, the, the Greek Scriptures. And, and Peter is bringing these things together for us, saying, hey, they're not separated. They're not, they're not segregated. They're not siloed from one another. This led to this. <clears throat> and just like us, for us, I mean, all we got to do is go to Hebrews 11 and 12 to see this, because in Hebrews 11, you have the hall of faith, right? Where, where the writer of Hebrews, he, he talks about all these saints who came before, and he lists them all out and, and, and how they're faithful and how they're pursuing God. And, and then he says in Hebrews chapter 12, we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who's cheering us on to run the race that was set before us, just as Jesus ran it, and he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And, and that's the race that we've been invited to run with him. And so when we think about our church and, and our community then, we have that here. You don't have to do it alone. You can't do it alone. You weren't designed to do it alone. It's not good that you should be alone. We get to do it together. That's amazing, and that's beautiful, and we are doing this together. So in verse 11, he says, <clears throat> these prophets, they, inquire, they were inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The following glories. So this word for time here in, in the Greek is actually a very specific word that means appointed time. It's not just general time, like, like what, time it is, what time is it, but it's like, is now the time? Is it the appointed time? Is, is now the time? And, and the prophets here, uh, they said, this is they're inquiring, they're searching, Peter says, for the person or time the Spirit of Christ was indicating these things. And for us, church, the question is, when's the time? If not now, when? What are you waiting for? If not you, well, then who? Right, what are you waiting for? God is calling you to live on mission. The days are done where you can just be a part of Trinity Life Church, a church living on mission. Say, hey, that's my church. I, I love that church because our church lives on mission, but your life doesn't show that. The days are done when you can say, I love reading blogs on mission. I love, I love being part of a church who lives on mission. I love it, but I don't live on mission myself. That's over. If you're in Trinity Life Church now, uh, you are part of an R3 group, which means you are living out intentionally. It's designed that way. And like I said two weeks ago, your if your identity is rooted in Christ and your destiny is rooted in Christ, you don't have a choice. You will influence. You will live out. That should actually free you to not to force anything, but to just make sure you're rooting your identity and destiny in Christ and then, and, then you're, uh, and then you will influence. You guys, this message that Peter is giving here, this message that Peter says the prophets were giving about the sufferings of Christ and his subsequent glories, that is a prophetic message. And that prophetic message was prophetic, which means it rubbed people the wrong way. It was not a message that went with the times. It was not a message that went with the culture. Even in Jewish Israelite culture, it did not go with that. It didn't go with that culture. The expectation for the Messiah was not this. 
The expectation for the Messiah was to come in as a conquering hero and save us, to take vengeance on our enemies, to destroy the enemies so that we are lifted on high. That's the expectation of the Messiah, right? That, that he's going he's gonna to make things right, right? I, and, and he's going to do it in our way. This message here did not go with the times. It was against the culture of the day. As even as funny, even what's funny is even as Peter is writing this, he didn't accept this message. He, he himself didn't believe this message and didn't even want it. Back in Mark chapter 8, verses 33, 31 to 33, you see this, you see this. Jesus communicates this to Peter. He says, Hey, and the disciples, he says, I'm gonna suffer. I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to do this. This is my destiny. This is what I came here to do, to give myself up for the sake of the world. And, and Peter, this is what he does. He doesn't say, okay, Jesus. Now, he actually pulls Jesus aside and he rebukes Jesus. And he says, there's no way you're going to do that, Jesus. There's no way you're going to do that. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your, minds on, your mind on the things of God, but you're consumed. You're setting your mind on the things of man. Get behind me. You are blocking my path. You are hindering our progress. And guys, for us as a church, we are on a mission to live out for the sake of this world, to give ourselves up, to be living sacrifices, to be willing and obedient, to do whatever it takes to share the light and the love of Jesus, to show them who our God is. And if you're getting in the way of that, get behind me, Satan. The mission of God will not allow you to hinder it. Jesus won't, won't allow that. So you'll either, you either need to move aside, get trampled, or join in the movement and the mission of God. And guys, for us as a church, like I said, our mission statement is the Great Commission. It is the mission of God. And, and the, way, uh, the way we're currently doing things is our current understanding of how to actually live out the gospel and the mission of God to its fullest extent. And guys, we don't know how to do it perfectly. We're just trying. There may be a better way. And you may know that way, but we're never going to know that if we don't do this together. And there's tremendous power in that community. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to just uh, stand on the sidelines and, uh, or, or be in and, and, and um, uh, push back on everything. You don't have to uh, degrade everything. You can come alongside and say, hey, what about this? What about this course correction? Let's do this. Because the sooner we make a decision move forward, guys, the sooner we can make a correction. So let's, let's go together in community and in, and in truth. And, and here's the thing about our culture today uh, is, is we have this uh, insidious negativity that's perpetuated by cancel culture. And uh, this professor of psychology and criminology at Villanova University, <clears throat> she says this, that the roots of cancel culture, they've been present throughout human history. 
Societies have punished people for behaving outside of perceived social norms for centuries, uh, like banishment. And this is just another variation. Uh, cancel culture is an extension of our contemporary evolution of a much bolder set of social processes that are designed to reinforce the set of norms. And if you don't know what cancel culture is, it's basically, um, and it started with, with celebrities and, you know, some, some people of, of fame, uh, where, where if they said something wrong or did something wrong, um, they're automatically on the outs. They're, they're canceled. It actually kind of started as a joke. Like, I'm canceling them. Uh, but it's become this, this, um, this, yeah, insidious negativity in our culture where uh, it's, it's devoid of anything Christ-like where we're saying, no, that person said one wrong thing and they did one wrong thing. And guys, they may even have a history of it. Right, and and we automatically cancel them. So if it's a if it's a movie star, for instance, it's it's well, we're not gonna uh, watch anything he or she does ever again, and they're probably not gonna get a job in this industry ever again. Canceled, All right? They're they're canceled. Now, some of that, guys, I'm not. Some of that is uh, valid and maybe should happen. Right? I'm not here to make a judgment call on that necessarily. Uh, but probably those ones who may have been canceled, I'm not watching their stuff anyways, uh, for, for, for the most part. Um, but we have, uh, uh, we're, we're, we fed into, as Christians, we fed into this, this cancel culture. And as a society, we keep on feeding into it. So it's not just with celebrities anymore. It's filtered down into personal relationships. Where if someone says something that you don't like, boom, canceled. Defriend, unfollow, I'm no longer your friend. And, and guys, for us, normally, uh, it's, it's a passive-aggressive thing. It's not, uh, hey, can we talk about this thing? It's like, no, I'm just not going to answer their phone calls anymore. I'm not going to answer their text messages. I'm going to act like I'm not home when they come knock on my door, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, and, and that is not the way of Christ. And, and we've become, we've become, uh, uh, we, we've just uh, started to embody this, this, cancel, this cancel culture. And guys, what's so negative about it is, is everyone uh, just piles on, spewing their hate, spewing their vitriol, all the while becoming the bigot themselves. And all this does is perpetuate a cycle of hatred, a cycle of, of, uh, of animosity, and all it does is dilute and undermine what is actually truly racist and sexist and misogynistic and demeaning and insensitive and degrading in our world. And, and part of cancel culture is, is uh, that, that we've become uh, fallen, fallen victim to is, is anytime someone makes any impassioned accusation against somebody else, they're automatically believed. They're automatically uh, like we're automatically saying no to this other person and yes to this without any proof or validation. And guys, hear me wrong before you get mad at me. A lot of what's happened through this has brought awareness to things that we need to have awareness on, right? That, that we were maybe turning a blind eye to. But there comes a point where we become, we become the bigots ourselves. And we have canceled people and we have said, you know, they're lost causes or they're dead to us. 
And that's not the way of Christ. That's not what we're supposed to do. That is, <clears throat> and again, before you get mad at me, guys, by today's standards, I've been physically assaulted, sexually harassed, racialized, bullied, publicly humiliated. I've, I've experienced those things. I'm not immune to those things. We, and, and a lot of you guys have too. <clears throat> but the way of the church is not to fall prey to cancel culture. The way of the church is to stand firm. We don't have a voice anymore because we don't stand firm. And when I say stand firm, you're like, oh, I am doing that. That's canceling. No, there's a certain way we do that. And, and here's some, some things here, because we've internalized a lot of this, like in, uh, rather than externalize it. And so the church doesn't operate in the public square anymore very well representing Jesus and our king. Because we have certain conversations inside the church one way, and then outside the church, we have conversations a different way, and, and sometimes they're, they're the same, but they're just as bad inside the church as they are outside the church. And, and guys, we, one of the keys to this is to have one voice in the public square so that our internal conversations reflect our external ones, our external ones reflect our internal ones. They're the same conversation. They're one conversation. So we don't talk about uh, people behind their back when it's just us here in one way, and then we talk about them all smiles another way. That's just du duplicitous, and that is, that is what this culture is, is uh, pushing more and more, uh, pushing us more and more forward in. And guys, <clears throat> so how do we stand firm? Because if, if we were gonna be in the public square in our city, which organizationally we are, guys. Guys, do you know, you probably don't know, well, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm, I'm around more secular leaders than I am Christian leaders. My circles are more secular than they are Christian. That's because we are living externally as an organization. So most of my week is spent with secular leaders and, and people, not with, not with those inside the church, not with Christian leaders. That is when you know you're living out in a way that, that you have one conversation and people, uh, and, and people know your genuineness and they respect that. But here's another how, because standing firm is the purpose of this book. Standing firm, you see it in, in chapter five, verse 12, uh, is, is one of the main purposes of this book for Peter, is for us to stand firm. But how is the question? How do we do that? Well, I think we need to cancel Cancel culture with compassion culture. That's gonna change everything, guys. How about instead of falling prey to cancel culture, we started with compassion. Instead of ignoring somebody's text messages, instead of unfollowing people, instead of saying, I'm never gonna do this again uh, with that person, we showed them compassion and love and sympathy and unity, like these are the marks of the church, Peter says, he's gonna say this later on in chapter three. What if that was our culture that we try to create in the kingdom? One of compassion. Because last time I checked, the Jesus I know didn't cancel Zacchaeus because he, he was stealing from everybody. And guys, that was a pattern of behavior. It wasn't just one mess up on Twitter. It's just a pattern of behavior and he didn't cancel him. He actually went to his house. And everyone said, what are you doing, Jesus? And it changed Zacchaeus' life, it changed the kingdom. Last time I checked, Jesus didn't cancel 
the prostitute at his feet who wanted to listen and learn from him and give all of what she had to wash his feet with. Last time I checked, Jesus didn't say, get, get away from me because of what you've done in the life that you've lived. She became one of his chief disciples, by the way. Guys, that's our savior. That's our Lord. That's our master. He, he's our life. That's a life we're supposed to live. Not one of canceling, but one of compassion. The prophets did this. Jesus did this. But the thing is, if we're going to do that, and not just condemn people and throw our beliefs at them, but actually show compassion. Guys, throwing your beliefs at people is not compassion. Okay? That's not what we're talking about here. The church has been um, horribly bad, but good at that in terms of just throwing our beliefs at people. No, it's compassion is being with people. Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus and Mary Magdalene, uh, he didn't say, hey, you have to believe exactly how I believe before I let you hang out with me, before I'm present with you. Now, compassion came first. But here's the thing. Are you ready to be canceled by culture if that happens? Are you ready to be canceled? That's embracing exile. We have to be willing to risk being canceled for compassion. And it goes against the norm, guys. And cancel culture is all about establishing the norm and reinforcing that set of principles, but it goes against the norm. Like we talked about in Multiply Disruption, should we want normal? No, the kingdom is not normal. The kingdom is supernatural. We operate in that kingdom. Guys, the, the irony of that is we might be canceled more by fellow quote-unquote Christians than we are the world. Because the world is searching for people like this. And so let's, let's lead out in that way because the prophets and Jesus did this. And it says here in verse 12, the last verse, it says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. They weren't serving themselves, they were serving you in the things that have been announced. Those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things and in which angels long to look. Who are you serving? Who are we serving as a church? Are you serving yourself? Are we serving ourselves as a church? Who are you serving? They were focused not on serving themselves, but on us, on who was to come after us. This is... Think about our culture, guys, the internalness of our culture. Remember, we're trying to get from internal to external here. Internally, we have these cultural aphorisms. We, we talked about them earlier, the ones that, the ones that um, uh, we don't like very much. Uh, but if you think about a lot of these, they're so internal. They're so insular. There's something that, that I don't like when people say. They say, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. In, internal. Uh, what Missy said earlier, uh, you do you, internal. I deserve this, internal. You do whatever makes you happy, internal. Guys, I can go on and on and on. It's all about 
It's all about me, 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 I, I. It's, it's all about you do you. I'm so proud of myself, I deserve this. Uh, whatever makes me happy, that's, that's what, what I should be doing. No, that is not kingdom culture. That is not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is serving and submitting. Serving and submitting. Are you ready for that? How are you submitting yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ Jesus? How do you submit yourself to your neighbors? How do you submit yourself to your neighborhood? How do you submit to yourself, uh, uh, submit yourself to your boss, to your coworkers, to your, to your spouse, to your, to your children, to your, uh, guys, I can go on and on and on. How are you submitting yourself out of reverence for Christ Jesus? Instead, we live in a culture where it's like, nope, I, me, I'm gonna do me, I'm gonna be proud of myself. I'm gonna do what makes me happy. I'm not gonna to submit to, to you at all. And, and you've lost reverence for Christ. You've lost it. Because we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The life you sign up for if you're a follower of Jesus is one of serving and submitting. It was his life. And we model ourselves after him. These verses here uh, are so... Uh, 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 these verses here show that so clearly because they show Jesus' sacrifice that he came to suffer for us. Our God, our Savior, the one who created the universe, he came to suffer and die for us so that we might have life, so that you might experience a living hope and joy today, so you could have that. And guys, what's so cool about this is his suffering and his sacrifice was not an accident. There was a Kairos moment, an appointed time, where it was not an accident and it was not untimely. It was always meant to happen this way, which means that if you choose to follow Jesus, you're signing up for that life. You're, you're signing up for that life. There's an appointed time for you where you are gonna follow in the sufferings of Christ Jesus. What's beautiful about that is our sufferings actually unite us to Jesus. We share in it. So stop praying to get out of your sufferings, out of your hardships, out of your, your uh, trials, your persecution, and start praying to get through it. Because through it, you are united with Christ. Through it, you experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Through it, you depend on the Father. Through it, you experience this, this life that Jesus uh, that Jesus showed us was possible here in this world. But it starts with out. We have to live externally and we have to know where we're going. And like I said, we have a big out as a church. There's the individual outs in your spheres of influence, but now we've, we've added this R3 special forces out and we get to move together. Uh, a few years ago, well, years ago, almost a decade ago now when, when Missy and I were in Libya right after the Gaddafi regime fell. We were leaving the city, uh, we were leaving the city and we we're going out into the Sahara, into the desert. And, um, and all of a sudden we're driving and we're driving pretty fast guys because you know, uh, at least back in those days, uh, <laughs> probably even today, uh, you don't drive slow out there. Like you're gonna drive fast just in case someone's following you, just in case, so, yeah, some, you get it, right? The, the whole country is militia controlled, it was, it was a war zone. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was a war zone. I mean, car bombs going off everywhere, uh, automatic gunfire all the time, all these things. So, so we're driving fast. Um, 
And all of a sudden, even with how fast we're driving, uh, a, a, a cavalcade of black SUVs flies past us like we're standing still. Um, like four or five of them, boom, 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 just flies past us. And you can see, uh, and automatically you know who they are. As you can see it. They weren't ashamed of it. You see uh, uh, US flags there, diplomatic US American markings. Um, uh, it, it, you know, all, all the markings are there. It was, it was like a movie. And you see, I mean, they're well equipped with, with guns, with weapons. Uh, and the thing is, uh, they knew who they were, they knew who they represented, and they knew why they were there, and they weren't gonna hide it. And, and if you're on the outside of that, you thought twice before you would, or before you'd mess with them, or you knew not to mess with them. Guys, embracing exile means getting rid of the rank and file. You're empowered to live on mission like that. And no matter what you think about uh, <laughs> the brashness and the bravado of, of America or Americans, they recognized they were there on a mission to serve that country, to, to, um, uh, to do something to change the trajectory of that country. And they knew where they were going and they're gonna not waste time for the days are evil. That's our directive. Paul says in Ephesians, don't waste time. The days are evil. We know what we're supposed to do, and we should get there. And we should go there fast. And we shouldn't be ashamed and afraid of who's going to see us representing our Jesus. If we're doing that in compassion, like Jesus, our identity and our destiny in Christ is so extremely powerful it's so powerful that the world, uh, Peter's going to say later in this book, it should look on us and who we are and whose we are and who we represent, and it should say, I want that, and I'm in awe of your God. You have the power to do that because the power of the living God dwells inside you. Think about that. The power of all the suns of the universe, the power of the stars, the power of creation, the power of this world, like all that all that is in you in the Holy Spirit. You have the same Spirit of God in you as is in me, as is in name your Christian leader, Billy Graham, uh, Mother Teresa, the Pope, uh, name, name your person, as is in Jesus Christ himself. He gave, he didn't give you a sub-spirit. He didn't give you half of the Holy Spirit. He gave you all of himself. We all have that. And we get to live externally together for the sake of others. So let's do that together as a church. God, thank you for this mission that you've called us to live out. May we only live up to the worthiness of our calling in Christ Jesus. Show us how to do that every day as a church in this city that has forgotten you. May we be the reminders of how beautiful and amazing you are. I love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we seal all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.